You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and this is my conversation with Jonas Asplund, the bass player in the Swedish outfit Follow the Cypher. The reason for the conversation was to promote the band's brand new self-titled album. Let's have a listen to what Jonas has to say. Here we go. Hello. Hey Jonas, how are you going? I'm doing fine. Sounds Thank like you're... You? Yeah, good mate. Sounds like you're on the road somewhere. Yeah, I'm in the car, actually. <laughs> We've been uh, rehearsing all, all weekend, so those interviews got, got like pretty late. Otherwise, I would be sitting down at home. Nah, that's all good. Look, I'm feeling a bit loose myself because my football team just won, and I just messaged John because, you know, John Howarth, who looks after a lot of the interviews, and my team played his yeah. team in the football, and we beat them. So I've just been enjoying a bit of back-and-forth banter between myself and him, mate. So forgive me if I'm feeling a bit happy and on the up. You should be happy. That's a good thing. It's Sunday also. I hear it's pretty early here in Sweden, but it's a good thing to be happy, I think. Where we are today, it was about 36 degrees or so, and I was out in the garden doing what I needed to do with the kids, mate. So, uh, yeah, mate, I was, I was looking forward to our chat, though, because I've certainly been getting into the album that you guys have released. Yeah, thank you. And you don't have to... You can take your time. I don't have any more interviews after this, just so you know. Oh, wonderful. So. Okay, well... You know, I was trying to find a, a tangent to the music you're creating, and then I found a lot of references to Sabaton online, so I don't have a lot of background, but what I will ask you is, what inspired the band to create the self-titled album due for release in May? Uh, inspired, the band actually started as a solo project by Cam Shankstrom. Uh, he wrote, co-wrote a lot of songs together with You Walking From Sabaton, for Sabaton. Then right. he really wanted to and he really wanted to do his own thing instead of being in the background helping other people write music. So he started off Follow the Cypher as a solo project, and then it turned out to, he took us members in because he felt like ah, it should be a band instead. Mm. That's the background. So his background together with Sabaton was that he co-writers some songs, but he didn't want to do Sabaton songs. He wanted right. to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about so the... That's background. Well, what about the lyrical themes across the album? Uh, we, we, on this album, we have more put the lyrical theme on the post-apocalyptic theme, I think. That's, and then we let people paint their own pictures in their mind what the lyrics are a little bit about. But it's about a dark future. Indeed. Okay, about a dark future. Now, is that something that you envisage actually happening, or is that something that you're putting yourself into the third person like a method actor might do? Uh, we're more in the third person, because we we want to write music like more like a movie, you know. You get that feeling that it's the sound should be more like a Hollywood movie. Yeah, agreed. So, That's what I felt. That's what I felt was coming through actually with the sort of um, the bombastic nature of the songs and so. So, what does the band name actually mean? doesn't mean anything actually it was like Ken when he started this band he had wrote on a song like 2005 called Follow the Cypher so he thought it was a cool title to have for a band and then you get a little bit of the mysterious thing in the, in the cypher what is the cypher cypher is uh, like zeros zero and ones so hmm. you can connect that to many things gotcha and and where did you guys find Linda? Was she somebody who was already playing in another band, or was she somebody that rehearsed for other bands and then you went, hang on a sec, here we go, this is somebody that we need to pick up? No, she she actually was the only member in the band that 
that um, audition for the band because Ken was looking for singers for his solo project. So she was the first person who got into the band. He tried a, a lot of different persons, but when she went into the room, she it was like, okay, you got the job. Took him like two minutes. And I, I understand why, because she's a phenomenal vocalist. I never heard anything like it. And I've been playing music for a long time. Yeah, she's certainly a very good front woman for what you guys are trying to do. It's a very good match-up between the music that's been written and the lyrics and also the way that she's presenting things on stage. I mean, it's not that far away from what Elisa's doing in Arch Enemy. No, exactly. But different vocal style then. So, yeah. But, but that's the thing. And the rest of, of the members was friends of, of Ken. So she was the only person who actually auditioned for Follow the Cypher. Well, there you go. Let's talk about your bass playing because I'm also a bass player and, and apart from yeah. writing for a lot of online publications, I host a podcast called Scars and Guitars where I focus on a musician's performance. So can you tell me about what you got you, got you into playing the bass guitar? I got, it was a long time ago. It was like 23 years ago, I think. And I actually had some friends who had started a band and they, they needed a bass player. And I had a leather jacket and long hair, so they thought that you can be our bass player. So that's how I got into playing bass. <laughs> you looked the part. <laughs> I, I had the had the right look. So, and then I started playing, and I thought it was so fun. And I started practicing like five to five to eight hours a day in the beginning. And I got stuck on the bass, and then I go over to playing guitar, and I thought I have guitar is boring. Bass is my instrument, so. Yes, that's okay. the story. How I got, I got into it. So you guys, are you guys from Sweden? Is that correct? Yes, we are from Sweden. Do you manage to cross paths with uh, Christopher Johnson from Thorian very often? Uh, no. Oh, the nope. only reason I ask it is because I thought you might have been one of those players in the Swedish scene that had played with Christopher. I only had a chat to Christopher about three, four months ago or so, and I really admire Christopher's work. And that's the only reason that I asked that question. Okay, okay. Uh, no, I, I come across a lot of musicians all the time. Almost every musician here in Sweden has some connection, I think. It's a small country, but... Yeah, a bit like I here in Australia. Yeah. 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 So, we help each other also. So what sort of gear are you using these days? What sort of bass guitar is your weapon of choice, so to speak? Fender Yes Bass is my first choice all the time. Okay. I have a Fender Yes Bass, a Japanese edition from 94. So that's my to go to base, and I have a uh, my rig. I use I use uh, Sansa uh, Tech Twenty One, if you know what that is. I do. Yeah, I, I use uh, Sansamp in my my own rack myself. Yeah, uh, that's the best thing to use when you're playing bass. Always sounds awesome. It is. But what's the amplification you use? Because I use that as a tone modifier. I don't use any amplification. I just use that. And I just do it right out of the PA system. Oh, there you go. Okay, right, yeah, and it's always worked for you. I don't, I don't, I don't like to carry stuff. <laughs> I had big, big bass amps before, but I got so tired of carrying all the things. So now it's more really easy. And I have a compression pedal too that sounds something so well. The best compression pedal. Yeah. That's the rig for me. Okay, did you say DBX compression pedal? Yes. 
Yeah, it sounds like we're using a very similar setup then. The only thing that I'm using in addition to what you've already got is a Gallia Kruger 1001 RBX head. That's a really good amp. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of covers work and I perform every weekend or thereabouts and um, I have to rely on it. But I've also got the backup 500MB, the micro-bass Galleon Kruger, and neither of them have ever let me down. Uh, I understand. If you do that type of job, you need that type of amplifier as well. So I don't need it when we go out with this. It's so easy to just take the small stuff in a little bag and go to the gig. <laughs> So what have, what have the interviews been like with Australian media? Have they been have they been what you thought they'd be? Not really. I was it was a positive reaction from myself because it was everyone seems to really love what we are doing. So I just got yeah, out there for a sec. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, it's. Um, I was talking to a few mates who are really into Sabaton, and that's how that Sabaton tangent got drawn because I mentioned that. I was talking to yourself and, and the band that you're in, and they're like, oh, the Sabaton connection, mention that. And I thought, okay, look, I won't do much Googling about it. I'll just actually ask Jonas, or you, yourself, what the connection would be, mate. So there's actually... Well, there's actually a relative degree of awareness about the band here. So do you think you guys would be coming down here anytime soon? I hope so. We hope so that we can come out anytime. And when you come to the Sabaton connection, you can tell your friends that we are really close friends with them, of course. Uh, yeah, well, uh, bass player is, is one of my best friends, so there that's you go. a really clear, clear, clear con- connection. Well, I only so. saw them less than a month ago down in Melbourne, actually. I flew down there and watched Sabaton tear it up on stage yeah. at the Download Festival. Great. I'm sorry that I missed that. I, I do some work for them as well, just a little bit, some crew work from time to time. Okay, yeah. So, so, so we, are, we are close friends. We are... You know, we live in the same town, and Fallen is pretty small. It only lives 50,000 people there. Wow, okay. Yeah, so, there you go. So you know each other quite well, obviously, as, as you mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, we are, we are friends. Hmm. So that we happen to play in, in bands. <laughs> so, What about bands like Letters from the Colony? I only interviewed Alexander from that band. Uh, it was only a couple of weeks ago, I think, I had a chat to him. Do you manage to hook up with, with that band very much? Yeah, they are friends of ours as well. So Alexander played in my my old band. He was a singer of that band. So we oh, we, pl- <laughs> we played together, <laughs> and he actually mi- mixed the uh, mixed this album, Follow the Cipher. Right, there you Alexander, go. Uh, he did a uh, not the whole album, but almost uh, it's like six of six of the songs he have mixed on the album. Okay. Seven. So it's it's it, so that, as you mentioned, it's a pretty it's like Australia. It's a small scene that a few participate in, but at the end of the day, they're very dedicated people that participate in the scene. Yeah, we are, we have love for music. That's the main thing. I think in the metal community, it doesn't matter if you write for a magazine, if you play in a band, or just listen to music. We are all brothers and sisters who help each other out. I feel that way anywhere I go in the world, actually. Yeah, it's it's a lot like that. And so, what's the reception been like in the US? Because that's obviously the most, or well, maybe not the most commercially fertile market for you, but it represents a solid opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But we haven't started doing interviews really. It's in this week we start doing interviews. I did one yesterday, and it was really positive. He was like really crazy about the album. So 
we'll see what happens. But when we read on the internet and people write to us, it's all positive. We have gotten some negative comments on our YouTube, but that's from the death metal heads, you know, they're oh, really hardcore Yeah, don't guys. worry about that. They're just idiots anyway, people who comment on YouTube I, and Facebook. I, I, I know we don't care about that, but that's the only... So it's overall, it's really positive. Yeah, and, and look, Europe is definitely a, the richest ground globally for metal bands, so will you be participating in any festivals over the European summer that's coming up? Yes, we are doing a metal fest in Czech Republic the 2nd of June, and then we do the Grass Pop Festival in Belgium, nice. the 21st of And that's pretty big gigs. That's what we have planned for the summer, so I'm really looking forward to that. I really love the Grass Pop Festival. It's one of my favorite festivals. Yeah, that's that's a very solid festival, that one there. And um, who inspired you when you were a young fella, when you first started tuning into music? What metal bands really tuned you into playing heavy metal? Uh, I must say, Mertley Crew and Wasp was the first love of my life <laughs> when it comes to music. I was, I was really young when that came, and I thought it, they were so cool. I really loved the music. Right, yeah. And what about the extreme music scene? I mean, there's bands like Dissection and the like that come from Sweden. Sorry, I think they're Swedish, aren't they, Dissection? I might be wrong, but... but uh, they are from Sweden. Uh, yeah. Gothenburg. There's some wonderful Swedish bands. I mean, the Gothenburg thing you're talking about, like In Flames and, uh, you know, those bands. I mean, are those bands an influence or an inspiration in any way? Yeah, of course. Uh, Ken writes the song has, uh, you know, Clayman. The Clayman album with In Flames is his favourite album. So... That scene has inspired Follow the Cypher a lot. And it, for me as well, but when I started out young, it was the 80s metal. Then I got into the more harder stuff because I grew up when those bands came, like the section and At the Gates and everything. Yeah. So I got really into the heavy stuff. So I like... That's really cool. What so about what about? It's a big inspiration. What about Bathory? They were a band. I mean, I'm 39. Okay, so I got into Bathory rather rather late for when Bathory yeah. actually released music to market, which is in the 90s. But you must be a fan of Bathory. Yeah, not not personally, not so much. But like, of course, I like it. But it's a little bit too extreme for me. Not from for my personal view. I'm the same age as you. I'm, I'm 40, so... Oh, there you go. They're I, like the... Basically, <laughs> to me, remind me of the Swedish ACDC. You know how, like, ACDC is always associated yeah. with early Australian rock and roll? Yeah. is always almost like... You know, when I think of Swedish music, I almost always think of really good, solid, heavy metal of all different genres. But Bathory were there at the beginning, like what, you know, Cawthorn and Bathory. He is Bathory, really. Like the Venom yeah. thing in the UK. Yeah, that's true. But I, I personally, I was not so much into it, and it was not so much hyped here in Sweden. I think it was more outside of Sweden that he got the attention, really. Mm. But he was first on what he was doing. So, yeah, agreed. Have you had uh, yeah. any feedback from Australian listeners and fans in the last sort of six months or so? Yeah, a little bit. People are writing to us and say that they like the music so we'll see you now when the albums happens so because we are a, a newcomer band no one really knows who we are we have played three shows and this is our first album so 
let's wait and see what happens. Hi there, this is Andrew Mackay-Smith from the Scars and Guitars podcast. It was at this point that there was a break in transmission. You can imagine how it is, me here in Queensland, Jonas there in Sweden. There are going to be some connectivity issues when you're talking over the internet anyway. Jonas dutifully called me back and we continued the conversation. Let's see what he has to say. Here we go. Here he is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, now right. you see me. I can see you. I can see Bad you. Bad connection when, when you're driving out I in the court. Yeah. yeah, I have my drummer here beside me. So. Hey, how you going? He's, he's driving the car. Hey, how you going? <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, he's the driver. We have all the equipment. We've been rehearsing all weekend. So. All right, I'll do it so that you can probably see me. There you go. So I've got my football jersey on and everything. There you go. Great. There you go. <laughs> Great. Weekend but, you know, you see we are in Sweden. You have a lot of snow, so and we are out oh. in the forest. So. Oh, it looks beautiful. So that's why I don't... Yeah, but it's... I'm tired of winter now, so I can easily have some warmth. Well, come, <laughs> come, like... down, come down here, mate. Believe me, we get about... Oh, man, I'm in Queensland, so it's never cold in Queensland. Believe me, the coldest we get is 20 degrees. That's Celsius, by the way. I, I, I would love that. That's more, <laughs> my more, more my than this. But it's, it's starting to get spring here, so I'm a little bit benefit. There's two things we like doing in Queensland, listening to music and drinking beer. It's, it sounds a bit like Sweden. I've spoken to a lot of artists <laughs> in Sweden over the years, okay? And the only difference between Queensland and Sweden is the bloody weather. Yeah, I think so. It sounds the same. We like to listen to music and drink beer. Not me, I don't drink beer, but I get into it anyway. <laughs> well, you don't drink these things? Uh, yeah, I prefer that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I like more the hard liquor stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say I do too, but I've got a, I've got two kids, mate, these days. So, how many, do you have kids yourself or are you married? No. No, no. Well, I have kids. I'm a music teacher as well, so I have kids in school. So. Oh, wonderful. So <laughs> you're not just a bass player, mate. You must be into woodwind instruments and keys and everything else as well. Yeah. yeah I, know, but I, I like the classics. Guitars and bass. You know, singing, piano. I have to teach the kids, so... But bass is, bass is my first love. Yeah, same here. I feel the same way. I play a lot of guitar as well, but nothing can drag me away from the bass. I'm a, I actually, I'm a bit unique in that whilst I might do a lot of interviewing with heavy metal and hard rock musicians, my own style of music and the music that I play yeah. is actually funk and disco, if you can believe it. I play that every weekend. I play in disco cover yeah. bands every weekend. That's a really fun bass playing, so I, I understand why you play it. That's right. It's really fun. That's right. I, I mean... My favourite bass lines would have to be, I've got a big picture of Larry Graham up here and um, Bernard Edwards from Chic and uh, Earth, Wind and Fire and those sort of bands because when you play bass and you want to really get into the groove, that's the stuff you get into the groove through. Yeah, I agree with you because in the metal music you don't have that so much... It's also not so much air to get around with the bass. You need to be a, a solid foundation there. I, I love playing that type of stuff that you're playing so it's rare that I get an opportunity to talk to a bass player in a heavy metal band how do you keep yourself interested and involved and I'm talking about on stage so when you're playing on stage and you're playing you know E to A and then the occasional F and then to G that sort of thing how do you keep yourself interested or do you throw the occasional octave in just to keep yourself involved yeah I, that, I do that all the time 
you know, and in this band, and in this band, it's so tuned down, you know, the the E string is t- tuned down to like A. I, oh my god. A. Oh wow. So, so I, I have a four string, so I I use fifth strings on it, so I, my highest is really fixed string. So, but. I keep myself interested in more in, in the performance when I'm on stage. That's why I have a pirate hat on me. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've played in a lot of rock and roll cover bands over the years, and one of the things I did was I switched to five string because when I was playing in four string, like I could hear myself, but as soon as I switched to five string, I found that I could hear myself a lot more because it's going right underneath the music. So have you ever thought about yeah. doing that? Yeah, but... That's what I'm doing. That's why I have so so much tuned down. I have like a fifth string, but I only use four. I take away the the lowest. Oh, the okay, sorry. String. Okay, I get you. Yeah, all right. No worries. Yeah, all right. So I have a, that tuning. I, I I tune in like A. I have it. It's actually drop A as well. So. Oh my god. So what's so, that down to? Like high F. Oh no, high yeah. G. F sharp. Sorry. Yeah. No, it is yeah, F, isn't it? Too. Holy shit! That's so low, dude. It's F. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I need to do this for this music because on the on the record we actually tune it down. The the lowest is in in G, G. Yeah. So that's even lower, even lower. But I can't play that live. So I use other tones when I play live compared to the album. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And. I mean, it's it's got to be a challenge, though, isn't it, to sort of keep, like, string tension to where it needs to be at before you start sliding off the, the nut, that sort of thing, or do you not find that's an issue? I think it's an issue all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's pretty hard. But it's it's a challenge for me to play in this band. It was a challenge. It's pretty different for me because it's really technical, you know, to, to keep on... Uh, those tones because I, I'm used to playing more straightforward music that than the you know in our song we have a lot of the the end thing you know rhythmical yeah, stuff for sure yeah the sugar thing yeah and that that was an, a challenge for me so that was fun with this band so and the sugar thing we are tuned down one one tune lower than sugar so so that's oh, just sick when we play the, and we that's why the music so, is so heavy, and I like that way because it's more hard. Yeah, well, you, you actually play the lowest tuning that I've ever spoken to a musician playing. So there you go. <laughs> I've never spoken to anybody that's played F and below, so you guys are doing it. And, I mate, I've spoken to well over 200 musicians and artists at this point, including the guys Steve Tucker and Morbid Angel, and I thought they might have been the lowest oh. tuning. But you are. <laughs> and and we, we play this... Uh... <laughs> poppy metal stuff (laughs) (laughs) well I suppose it's a way of playing like I mean I'm not that schooled okay but I have an educated background it's a way of making melodic scales sound very deep down dark and dirty isn't it when you play that low exactly it's it's the sound thing you get that sound from it that's why the guitar players have seven strings they need it and they tune down so much yeah a bit like as I say one of my favourite bands is Morbid Angel and the way Trey plays with his seven-string guitar, and he doesn't do interviews yeah, yeah, these that's days. Really cool. Yeah, well, he doesn't do interviews these days. But I've spoken to David Vincent and also Steve Tucker, their two front men over the years, and asked them about the tuning and the way that he plays guitars. And all that they can offer is he just does what he does. 
But he's playing a fucking <laughs> seven string guitar. It's just so deep down and dark. Yeah, that's really cool. I I love Morbid Angel. I love it. Cool. So what were you guys? Yeah. What were you guys just rehearsing? What what sort of were you rehearsing a show for the European? Were you rehearsing for the European shows that are coming up? Yeah, they are rehearsing for the shows because we really want to put on a really good live show. And we live in different parts of Sweden, so we always meet up once a month to just one week and rehearse a lot of hours to get it to work. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine. And is there, is is it one of those things where you guys have got to have everything sorted out before you go into rehearsal? And then when you're rehearsing, it's just a case of, you know, nailing the bolts in a bit tighter. Or do you guys actually work things out in the rehearsal room? No, we 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 sit at home and learn stuff, and then we work it out in the rehearsal room. We put everything together. Yeah, yeah, it's a smart way of doing it. It can be very frustrating. I've played in too many bands where. You turn up to the rehearsal room and some of the members are looking at each other going, how does this part go? And you just go, holy shit, didn't you learn it? It was there for you. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's frustrating when you have a member who didn't take the time to put the, the effort to take out the songs and do it right. But we have no, not the problem with this band with that. Everyone is skilled in what they are doing. So. Yeah, and, and your singer is her Lisa. Does she come from Sweden or does she come from somewhere else? Yeah, she's from Sweden as well. Right, yeah, and it was just a case of auditioning and, you know, putting it out in the local online classifieds and finding it that way, or did you have to go through with the record company and find somebody that was very capable? No, we didn't have a record company when we started, but it was Ken who just said that he looked for singers and put out that he was, had wrote, wrote songs for Sabaton, and a lot of singers were interesting to sing on his songs, so that's the way he found her. She saw that he was looking for singers, so she drew with those smiles to just audition for him. The reason I ask is because I must have auditioned 30 singers over the years, and all but one or two have been completely shit, I must say. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's hard. What I'm saying is it's bloody hard to find the right person, but did you go through a lot of people? Did you know if you went through a lot of people before you found the right person? I think it was two or three people before her, so it was not so That's hard. It. Wow, okay. Right. Yeah, okay. Well, no, I can speak from personal experience putting out ads for bands that actually get paid to play. Even then, you get yeah. people turning up saying, yes, I can do it. And then when you put them on stage, they look at you like deer in a headlight. And this yeah. is in covers bands when you're playing three or four sets over four hours and you can't yeah. help them. Even if you can sing yourself, you can't help them sing their parts because it's going to be a, a different vocal harmony. Exactly. So, yeah, but no, that's, that's incredible. And then, and then we have um, Vico, the other guitar player. He is also a good singer. So we have two good singers in the band. He's also a sick singer. Well, it sounds like the foundation is there for a very good career for you guys. Uh, let's see what happens. As long as we have fun with it, we'll just keep on going anyway. That's the important thing for us. Yeah, that, that one essential ingredient, as long as it's fun. And, mate, with your age, and, and look, feel free to not answer this question... But, you know, have you got a mortgage? Have you got other commitments that require financial commitments? So, you know, what's it look like for you? What's the balance between playing in the band and keeping yourself financially solvent elsewhere? It's, for me, I've been working with music uh, full-time over 20 years. So with music, now I'm a music teacher. I've been doing other stuff. Of course, it's hard. And that's why I say as long as I have fun with it, because you have, 
I've never thought that I will be a millionaire by playing music. I just do it because I need to play music and it's my passion in life. Yes. But of course, you need to earn money. That's why we don't throw ourselves into it right away now. We have, all of us have day jobs and we need to pay our rent at home and yeah, buy our food. I mean. so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a challenge. The position we are now is really good that we can go out on tour and, and hopefully get some money home, home as well to pay the rent. Let's see what happens. No, agreed. All right, mate. Look, I'll leave you to it. I really appreciate you calling me back after the break-in service there. Um, I re- really enjoyed this conversation. So the final thing I'll say is, are you okay if I release this as a uh, edition of my podcast episode because it's been very insightful? Yeah, yeah. Do that. You're welcome to do that. Wonderful. All right. Well, I really hope we can catch up when you come down to Australia and have a beer with you. That would be great. We can talk some more bass playing. Absolutely. I'd like that. <laughs> All Take care. Thank you, brother. No worries. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with the bass player from the band Follow the Cypher, Jonas Asplund. Thank you so much for listening.